She was a woman surrounded by British soldiers and loyalists who risked her life and the lives of her family members by passing messages and communicating the movement of British troops. Her name is Anna Strong, and this is Rebellion. summer and fall of 1776, after being ousted during the siege of Boston, the British invaded New York with a massive showing. Washington and his troops were sent packing, leaving most of the Continental Army in awe of the sheer size and power of the British forces. That's when a young captain named Nathan Hale volunteered to sneak behind enemy lines to gather information for General Washington. If you've listened to episode two of this podcast, then you know how his story ended. He was caught and hanged, using his last words to assert his loyalty to the American rebel cause. By winter of that year, the British took complete control of New York capturing some 4,000 prisoners, killing about 500 American soldiers, and wounding another 1,200. Victory for the English was swift and decisive in New York, leaving colonists to ponder whether or not they could withstand a war they once viewed as winnable. With the British now in control of New York, which would remain in their hands for the entirety of the war. Washington knew he needed intel now more than ever. So he turned to one of Nathan Hale's friends and former classmates, Benjamin Talmadge. Benjamin Talmadge was soon put in charge of assembling and organizing a group of spies regular citizens who could report on enemy movement in and around their communities. Over time, he would recruit the likes of Caleb Brewster, a soldier and blacksmith, Abraham Woodhull, a family farmer, and Woodhull's neighbor, Anna Strong, all of whom lived in Setauket on Long Island, surrounded by enemy soldiers and loyalists. They all knew each other well, too, with Talmadge's father eventually marrying Anna's sister-in-law, and Woodhull eventually marrying Anna's cousin, Mary. The techniques they used to maintain secrecy were inspired. Everyone involved in the spy ring received aliases and numerical code names. Their identities were so well protected, in fact, that George Washington, code number 711, 
didn't even know their real names. To communicate, the spies of the Culper Ring used a number of strategies. They wrote coded letters that could be translated using the Culper Codebook. They published coded messages in newspapers, traveled through darkness in the middle of the night to deliver documents or dispatches. One of their more genius ideas was using a formulated version of invisible ink. Between the lines of a seemingly innocuous letter, they'd write a secret message with a special ink which would reveal itself when exposed to certain chemicals or against candle flame. But as inventive as these techniques were, executing them held potentially deadly consequences. When Nathan Hale was captured trying to secure information behind enemy lines, he was executed the next day. While held as a prisoner, he was denied visitation from a priest, access to a Bible, and on top of that, the last two letters he would ever write, addressed to his family and to General Washington, were torn up and never delivered. Later that day, he was marched a few blocks away and hanged. John Andre was a British spy, captured near West Point, carrying letters from Benedict Arnold. The two had conspired together, planning a way for Arnold to surrender the fort to the British. Andre was held for a few days and kept in relative comfort. But even though many of the high-ranking officers there thought he should be kept alive due to the honorable way in which he had conducted himself, and the fact that he was merely a go-between for a larger conspiracy. John Andre was also marched to a small hilltop and hanged. The risk of facing a similar fate for Anna Strong and any member of the Culper Ring was very real. The only difference was they were civilians, not members of the military. Had their network been discovered, the vengeance would surely have been swift and violent. They risked not just their own skin, but the possibility of their houses being burned and their families being captured or killed. That risk was probably double for Anna Strong, since her husband was already jailed on a British prison ship. Soldiers in the area already feared Celestrong, Anna's husband, was trying to mount an insurrection. Imagine if they found out that his wife was conducting espionage operations right before their eyes. Though they had a firm hold on New York, the British were cagey. Since they ran spy networks of their own, they were constantly on the lookout for such activities from the other side, opening every New York home 
and searching every man who walked about the island. The spies of the Culper Ring had to proceed with extreme caution. In a secret correspondence, Abraham Woodhull wrote that he'd be seeking the assistance of a 355 in New York. 355, when decoded, meant lady. That lady was surely Anna Strong. Woodhull implored Strong to travel with him, probably pretending to be his wife, as the British would be a lot less likely to search a couple out for a stroll than they would a single, solitary man creeping about. The risk that Strong was taking was now even higher, as the activities of Abraham Woodhull, who she would be accompanying, were becoming more and more suspicious. If she were caught participating in espionage, the British were likely to take drastic action. It's difficult to know what the full extent of her contribution was. One prominent version of her participation involves a pretty brilliant method for communicating to Brewster and Woodhull. Strong's home was visible from the water. So as Brewster would approach Setauket via boat, Strong would hang laundry on the clothesline in certain ways. If a message was ready and needed to be transported, she would add her black petticoat to the line. That signaled to Brewster or to Woodhull, who lived nearby, that a meeting needed to take place. However, since the British were on the lookout for spies, they would need to figure out a way to ensure they could meet safely. Strong accomplished this by adding a series of handkerchiefs to the line as well. The number of handkerchiefs corresponded to one in a series of six rendezvous points. If others in the spy ring saw the coat and the handkerchiefs, they would know where the meeting would be taking place. Members of the Culper Ring were riddled with anxiety at that point, with years of activity and numerous close calls under their collective belt. One of those close calls occurred on August 17, 1780. Brewster was waiting at 2 a.m. in Strong's backyard. As he sat there in the dark, a British soldier suddenly rode by. Brewster pulled him down from his horse and planned on taking him back to Connecticut as a prisoner. However, he knew that such an act so close to Anna's house would rouse suspicion among the British forces in the area. The following year, after the Culper Ring aided in uncovering the traitorous plot of Benedict Arnold, the British had begun to build a reliable trace on their activity. In a letter written by a British agent, Brewster was mentioned by name, and Anna as, quote, a certain woman. The pressure 
on the Culper spy ring was intensifying. Luckily, it wasn't long before Cornwallis surrendered his troops to General Washington at Yorktown, signaling the end of America's fight for independence. Two years later, in 1783, the British finally left New York, returning control of the newly founded United States. The British flag waving from the top of Fort George was torn down and replaced as a new era dawned for the world's youngest nation. Anna Strong would be visited by the Culper Ring's founder, Benjamin Talmadge, one last time, as a feast was prepared in Setauket to celebrate the evacuation of the British. One can only presume how much relief must have poured out of them at that feast, finally shrugging off the tremendous burden that had been laid upon their shoulders. Strong, having been instrumental in securing independence for the 13 colonies, was able to return to a life free of worry, anxiety, and danger. There would be no more sleepless nights, no more looking over her shoulder, no more British soldiers knocking on her door. Along with her husband, Sella, Anna would live out the rest of her days peacefully in Setauket until she died in April of 1812, just a few months before the United States would again declare war against invading British armies. But she would not have to relive any of her previous troubles. She passed away before the fighting started at the ripe old age of 72. The American Revolution produced an incredible amount of heroic women and men. Lives were sacrificed on the battlefield. A democracy was born inside muggy Philadelphia halls. And a whole host of messy issues were brought to light. But these events cannot be remembered solely by heralding the heroic actions of just a few well-known men and women. They cannot be summed up by someone's eloquent oratory. America's independence was also gained by lesser-known figures, scratching and clawing, working in the shadows, completing dangerous, thankless tasks, operating behind enemy lines for nothing more than providing assistance to their countrymen. As George Washington would write, just a few months before the British left New York. Thrice happy shall they be pronounced hereafter, who have contributed anything, who have performed the meanest office in erecting this stupendous fabric of freedom and empire on the broad basis of independency, who have assisted in protecting the rights of human nature 
and establishing an asylum for the poor and oppressed of all nations and religions. In July of that year, Abraham Woodhull would submit an invoice to General Washington. Members of the Culper Ring were paid for their brave service, including Agent 355, whose contribution to the cause was invaluable. That was Anna Strong, and this was Rebellion. Rebellion was produced by me, Dustin Connors. It would be amazing if you would consider writing a review for Rebellion on iTunes or elsewhere. It's one of the fastest and easiest ways for the show to gain listeners. For more information, visit rebellionpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.